Welcome. It's Monday morning, self-evident podcast. You got Mike. You do not have Messi. He is still on the road. Gone. But we got Easy in the office with us in the studio. Here we are. Hope Tower. Thank you so much for joining us. Guess what? This is actually recorded. I'm sorry. Because at this moment, Easy and I are on the road. We are probably probably just getting into texas or, yeah. or just inside the texas border good 17 hours keep driving. driving guys keep going you're almost there Woo, woo! all I right mean, are we gonna are we gonna watch ourselves to hear that message yeah why not for that five seconds and then we'll turn ourselves off yeah because i have no interest in watching us neither do i no but you guys should <laughs> welcome thank you so much uh before we get started do not forget like subscribe go to rumble get the rumble channel rolling even higher than it has been go to facebook go to youtube find out your spot and interact get yourself clipped in with us and go to the self-evident truth.com why would you do that because we have something beautiful there that's right we have sweatshirts for sale now you may be thinking it's july why would i buy a sweatshirt because there's a deal going on right now they are 50 dollars instead of the normal 65 why because this item is on its way out dun, dun, dun. it is yes no. both of them just this one just that one okay the socialism one if you're listening on the audio the socialism sweatshirts are being discontinued so you better get it now if you want it oh oh i have two get the classic i and they are so comfortable like they you were are. saying last podcast so comfortable. oh my gosh i mean and it's hot it's summer have you ever heard of christmas in july there you go boom <laughs> nothing says christmas like fighting socialism <laughs> Actually, kind of that's a bit true, you know, at this point. Anyways, <laughs> so go out, go to the self-evident truth.com. That's where you're going to go out and get yourself some merch. Get a t-shirt, get a hat, get a sweatshirt that's for a good deal. And also something else that I'll talk about in a second. Before we get started, Panthera Publishing. Go to pantherapublishing.com. P-A-N-T-H-E-R-A publishing.com if you're a pastor your minister especially this is a company for you to finally get your book published get it to your congregants get it to your community and there's still something about a book that we can we can have we can hold we can leaf through we can research it also provides kindle option if you want that but maybe you've got sermons that it's like man these would make a really good book for my community maybe it's i've got this thing on my heart that i just need to get out Books, treaties, essays, all that used to be the main way ideas got put forward. And guess what? It's still true. I think sometimes people think, ah, books don't get read anymore. Are you kidding me? Do you know how many copies get sold every day of books? Do you know how many books are written every year? I'm not going to tell you the number because that might scare you about publishing a book. But the fact is people are still publishing and people are still reading. And with Panthera Publishing, it is such a cheaper price. It's under $1,000 for you to get walked through the whole process of getting your book in print on an international platform. Yep. Anybody in the world can find your book when you've published with Panthera Publishing. Yeah. So check them out. P-A-N-T-H-E-R-A publishing.com. Phone number 772-497-6001. 
772-497-6001. If we have sent you there, let them know that it was us. Because, you know, we'll get a pat on the back. Good job, guys. Good good job. All right. Into news bits. You ready? We ready? Uh, I'm ready. I have the timer right here. Timer's ready. All right. Here we go. Three, um, one, go. Judge gives government a restraining order. Yay! Now, you may think this is a couple of days old. That's because it is, but it doesn't matter. We're still covering it because I think it is vitally important. Guys, let's celebrate the wins where we get them. And I think this is important for a judge to look at the federal government and say, you are overstepping your bounds. This is not what you are supposed to be doing. Now, what did the judge say? The judge, federal judge, has restricted agencies and officials from meeting and communicating with social media companies to moderate their content. What was going on? It came out. It was broken by good journalists. There are still a few that Twitter especially was having back channel communications with the federal government. And the federal government was saying, no, close that out. Don't post that. Get rid of that. Shut those people down. That is such an egregious step over the First Amendment. New York Times ran a byline about this saying, the case which could alter how the government battles disinformation is a flashpoint in a broader effort by conservatives to document what they contend is a liberal conspiracy to silence their views. Does anybody else want to take this one? Anybody? Why do we throw it to the government to battle disinformation? Thank you. <laughs> well, like, that, just, that just occurred to me. Why do we throw it to them to deal with something that we can easily take care of ourselves? The New York Times, a supposedly independent newspaper, is saying, government, can you please battle misinformation for us? So you suck so bad at your job that you can't do it. That's that's the whole point of reporters. It used to be. Isn't it funny? That's that's the thing that gets me about all of this is like we're now contending that the government would control speech. We're arguing, why aren't you doing more to control speech on people to battle disinformation? You're a worldwide international newspaper. If you have such a problem with this disinformation you have a worldwide platform to battle it. Are you so inept at your job that you need the federal government to put their paws on it? Because they've been good at stuff. They've handled things well. I don't think they can answer that question. I think they need the government to answer that they, for them. Yes. So you guys <laughs> go ahead and call up the FBI so they can investigate whether or not you're actually good at your job. Number two. In related news, CNN doubled down because, again, journalism at its best. White House correspondent Phil Mattingly defended the whole thing. Now, Zero Hedge reports Mattingly admitted that social media platforms more often than not gave in to the censorship demands by the Biden administration. However, he insisted that it makes sense. And that is probably what we should do on public health grounds. He says, and I quote, Listen to this, guys. This is the insanity. The Biden administration would regularly reach out to Twitter and Facebook and other companies in kind of the early stages of their COVID response and say, this person is spreading lies about vaccines. 
This account is spreading misinformation that is inhibiting not just our efforts, the administration's efforts to address COVID, but also public health. Do something about it. And often, I think more often than not, the companies would respond and say, okay. And there are emails that came out during the course of this case. That was something that I think when it was explained to me at the time, I thought, all right, that makes sense. That's probably what we should do on public health grounds. I cannot wait until you are censored for your facts. When it's considered disinformation and you yourself, Phil Mattingly, are censored because the people in charge decided you are going against what they want to get done. And I want this quote to come back to haunt you. I want you to sit down and read it line by line and understand I just defended authoritative, authoritarian, oppressive, tyrannical government censorship. Here's a side note. I I, I don't know why this reminded me. Um, I remember seeing a, a post by Sean Foyt, or Freud, um, however you say his name. Foyt, I think. Foyt. Yeah, something like that. And he made a post on Twitter saying that um, posting a New York Post article about how they found cocaine on the premises of the White House. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's that was in the uh, uh, what was it? The West Wing. And when pressed about it, the the hero icon idol uh, press secretary who's greatest person in the world ever by her own admission. Um, and when she writes the next book of scripture, she'll write the most humble person in the world ever. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure. And she, she couldn't answer who they think it might be. And, and she said, we'll probably never get to the bottom. Mm. Maybe we won't. I can, I can guarantee you, we will never find out whose it was. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe there's, if only there was some person that had a history of drug abuse. I mean, Golly, there maybe like some kind of family you know, that yeah, like, some, I don't know if he's like the president. I don't know. Bro, wouldn't it be crazy if there was somebody out in the world who just happened to be like closely united with with the president and would have consistent regular access to the White House and just you know, I <laughs> happen to have hundreds of pictures of them doing drugs and you know uh, but drug no, convictions and you know uh discharges based on drugs and even if there was no yeah, one would know no. because it's not like they would like leave their laptop somewhere like at a cafe or whatever. i know and and thousands of other incriminating photos found on this russian disinformation but it, it doesn't exist <laughs> the person it, it must be more obscure than this so we're going to assume that the cocaine was there naturally maybe it just it grew big bang that's it's it. the big bang that's it we have now solved the cocaine in the white house problem it was the big bang folks magically poof well maybe this is like there was the big bang this is the little bang the little yeah yeah well <laughs> <laughs> i mean a bump of cocaine is probably a big bang for you anyways <laughs> timer has gone we only got through two but that's okay we're still going through this you guys ready let's do it all right hold on <laughs> That wasn't very enthusiastic. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm so excited. If you're still paying attention <laughs> to this, God bless you. You have patience or you're a glutton for punishment. I don't know which one it is, but it's okay. 
It's okay. Massey and Carrie are doing Friday, so you your respite is coming. Easy easy and I will be on the road. I find us entertaining. I think we are the funniest people on the planet. Somebody does. All right. Get it. If you're listening to audio, you're like, like get what? (laughs) Dude, on Wednesday night. Were you there Wednesday night when I told all the men to stand up? Yeah. Did you hear me go now? Yeah. I I it was like, please. I I felt so bad because it was like I've I reverted to father mode because I'm so used to my son who is a a he is a strong-willed child. Yes. And so you have to be at 11 with him in order to get him to go, right? Cuz if I just say, "Come here." nothing so it tends to be over here now right so i'm in this mode and i'm like men stand up now please <laughs> everyone stood up without hesitation it was like okay that was either total power move <laughs> or father freudian slip i, I love how <laughs> immediately after you said men sit down you said women and i was like oh god he's gonna make them stand up now (laughs) i was drunk on power what can i say Uh, men women now (laughs) and if you're in audio you're like what the heck is he talking about my book i just finished it it's out become forged maximizing masculinity go to the self-evidenttruth.com go to our shop go to resources purchase the book why because if you're looking for a blueprint on what it means to be a man and be masculine and how to develop that if you're feeling like man i just i i know i'm missing something this book is for you this book is for fathers who are trying to figure out how to raise their son to become a good god-fearing righteous man it's also for mothers if you're a single mother and you're wondering man i I don't understand my son. I wrote this to help you start figuring out your son. I wrote it with the idea of, hey, are men and women different? And I think I lay out a fairly compelling case of how and why men and women are different. But it also gives you a blueprint of how to develop yourself. Heck, women can use this to develop themselves. But this book, I I spent a lot of energy on this because... I'm so passionate about this topic. So go to the selfevidenttruth.com, go to the shop, go to resources, get yourself a book. It helps out me. It helps out self-evident. It will help out you. Once you read it, leave a review. Okay. If you hate it, go ahead. Let us know, but at least try it out. All right. Game on. We ready for this? I'm ready. We ready? I think the coffee's kind of, kind of finally kicking in for me. Good. Glad to hear it. So cool. So cool. I've got you on board. Now this this episode we're we're doing Independence Month. And Friday I covered the cost, the price. It was kind of a heavier podcast um and and I kind of got onto the soapbox, I guess. But I think because it's important because you've got to understand it. You've got to understand what is your cause. And it was 
that idea of figuring out your cause, especially in terms of independence, but figuring out your cause, I've been having a lot of conversations with a couple other guys of how, how do we get this rolling? Like we're all feeling a passion. We're seeing the Holy Spirit in different ways, weaving through this of pushing something forward. And my wife even said the other day, she was like, you know, isn't it interesting that you, you just finished this book and all this stuff seems to be coming to a head. And I said, yeah, I, it's either coming to a head for me because I wrote the book or because the Lord's doing something. And when I watch other men and I'm watching what he's putting together, I have to assume Holy Spirit's doing something here. And so we've been talking about like, not just Christians role in government, how Christians get involved, but this has invariably led to the topic of men and getting them to activate. Who do we see at the school board meetings? Women. Who do we so often see at the city council meetings? Women. Who do we hear about? Moms for Liberty. And, and guys, this isn't a cap, but there's T-shirts that are going around basically saying something to the effect of husbands of Moms for Liberty. Cool. Go for it. But what are those husbands doing? Where are they leading? What pathway are they walking? And I think it's useful for us to figure out a couple of ways of like, okay, how do we get Christian men, whether you're a man, a woman, a child, or a pastor especially, how do you get your men to activate? Because plenty of pastors right now are like, I just, how do I get the men going? The women are at the prayer meetings. The women are doing the potlucks. The women are coming to do the events. The women are, are helping out. How do I get the men involved? And that doesn't mean that every single man is not getting involved. But I've seen... I have seen it with my own eyes and, and a couple other guys and I were talking several times. We see it in the eyes of plenty of men. I want to do something and I don't know how or what. And so, especially if you're a pastor, especially if you're a man who's getting involved, listen to these strategies and maybe you can implement these to help move forward. Okay. How do we activate men in this realm? Because I think it is time for the, the man right? Kind of that warrior spirit. Oh, it sounds so cliche. Scientific. It is truly scientific. We were built to protect. We were built to compete. I was telling somebody the other day, you know what war is? War is just the ultimate competition. It's ultimate stakes, life or death. But if you really look at it, it is the ultimate competition. And so often, Somebody is trying to take something from somebody else in a war. And so it is real stakes competition. I want what you've got. Now I've got to compete against you to get it, whether good or bad. So that warrior spirit, that sense of I am going to fight and defend has to be reawakened in men. Because we have to realize if we don't wake up, other men and misdriven women or wicked women and wicked men will take from you. You don't defend. If you don't fight, they will take from you. The whole reason that crime is soaring in certain cities is because people have been uh, neutered in being able to defend themselves. No, you can't have a gun. You can't defend yourself. We'll put you in jail if you shoot that intruder. 
you need to call the cops, but the cops will take 20 minutes to get there. And then we won't really prosecute the person anyways, because, you know, we don't, we don't do cash bail and, and we feel that a person shouldn't be prosecuted for robbery or assault or whatever. You're being neutered in defending yourself. And a lot of people have just allowed it to happen. Well, the, what's that? Not only that, we're we're being desensitized to what is right and what is wrong now. Yeah. You see, like what you were saying, like the person gets prosecuted, but probably not correctly, probably not really charged with anything. Like pedophilia isn't pedophilia anymore. No. It's, it's some kind of like, oh, he can't help the fact that he's attracted to young boys. A person's not a pedophile anymore. They are a minor attracted person. Notice right. the language. Notice the language in that. And it, we're twisting. We're not only twisting the truth. We're twisting. We're twisting everything. We're yes. making the entire country perverted. Yes. And we're just letting it happen. Yes. And it is, it is especially time for Christian men to get off that couch and say, you know what? I'm done watching this. Right. And I'm not saying that I, I know so often the cap happens onto the Christian men, but guess what? Because the responsibilities and the expectations are high for a man. Massey and I talk about this. It's like, we are expected to be Superman expected to work, earn enough for our family to live expected to protect our family. We are expected to go out and, and gather more for our family. We're expected to be there for our family and husband our wives and father our children. We are supposed to be supermen. And we're okay with that because we're built to do it. We have the mental capacity. We have the capacity to do it. But the problem is we've we've turned that piece of ourselves off. And so then we wonder why we can't do it. And these five ways, and I'm not going to take a super long time to get through this, but five ways that I think, especially if you're a pastor and you're like, I need to do something with my men. These conversations that we've been having has, has helped me kind of develop this. And I wouldn't be surprised if it becomes the second book of this strategy of like, okay, how do you overhaul your men in your community? And so like I talked about last week, number one is have a cause. A man needs to have a cause. Once he's got a cause, once he's got something to sink his teeth into, he starts to light up. And what I did the other night was I had men stand up and I said, I want you to think of your children. If you're not a father, I want you to think of children that you are close to. Niece, nephew, that kind of thing. What would you do to protect them? I would give my life to protect my children. So you as a man, and I don't care if you're 18 years old, there are children who need protection. And I feel like we have kind of let mothers take that role. Because who's at those school board meetings? Moms. I've got to work. I can't go. So when your child is taken from you, 
Will you sleep better knowing, well, I had to work. I couldn't fight this. And one of the reasons I am harping and sounding the horn on this so much is it is coming for you. That's not fear-mongering. It's happening. And I said last podcast, Washington, Oregon, Michigan, there was a father in Texas who we've talked about this before, lost custody of his son because his mother the mother of the child decided to transition the child. Father and mother got divorced. Mother decided, who's a psychiatrist or whatever, that son needed to be a daughter. Father lost custody because he refused to go along with it. My heart breaks for that man. And so men, that's my cause. My children. And I see what's coming down the pike. And if you're still on the, you're just using the slippery slope argument, that'll never happen here. I want you to go back 20 years and ask yourself if 90% of this crap was happening. Man, we saw the signs and we were laughed at for saying this is going to happen. So you got to find your cause. And especially to pastors, ministers, uh, leaders in the community, Find the cause. And I'm telling you, if you find the cause, people are going to come up behind you and go, yeah, we got to take care of this. My cause is getting involved in government. It is time for the church to get involved. We have sat on the sidelines for too long. Number two, and this goes along with it, is you need a general. You need a couple of men, one to whatever, how many men you need, I'd say one to three, but maybe you've got millions of men you're leading. You probably need more generals. Who are the ones who are plotting the course forward? That means an apostolic vision type guy. And pastors, if that's not you, you've got to find that guy. A lot of times I think it is the pastor who can at least create the vision and then put somebody in place to lead it forward. But if you don't have generals, guys are standing on the sideline going, I don't know what to do. I have all this energy in me, but I don't know where to go. And we've got guys that, that we've come across. I've looked in their faces and I've seen the fire in their eyes and they're going, I just don't know what to do. I got to do something, but I don't know what to do. I've got to give you a job. I've got to give you a role. So now I got to figure out what's your role and where do you go? right? How do you do this? Because men want to get off that sideline and get in the game. And as it awakens in them more and more, they're like, I need to do something. I need to get involved. Get me in the game, coach. The coach has to be the one or the general who gives the play. All right. You're going to go left. You're going to go right. You're going to down block. You're going to pass. Somebody has to tell people what to do and where to go. And people will do it. Number three, Okay, we are the bride of Christ. We are. Men, how many of you are just absolutely motivated when you say, I am the bride of Christ? I am not demeaning scripture. Absolutely, the church is the bride of Christ. But I think sometimes our imagery especially in modern culture, our imagery could use a refresher 
in a way or a different way of looking at something, I want you to think about what it means to serve a king. Now, we live in America where we've set our face against men as kings, ruling over us as tyrants, all of that. So we've got to be careful. But I want you, and I use this scene a couple of times with various people, and I'll use it here on the podcast. I love in The Last Lord of the Rings, The Last Battle, where they know they've got to go before the gates of Mordor in order for Frodo to throw the ring into the Mount Doom, right? I just want to say, I have not seen Lord of the Rings. Okay, but you can still connect with this, okay? Okay. So Aragorn, who's going to be the king of men, right? He's he's kind of solidified himself as I. he's the king of men. He's a super humble, noble guy, right? Sure. They fight this massive battle against the forces of evil. Forces of evil retreat back into the dark lands. But that means that Frodo has to throw the ring into Mount Doom, which is in the dark lands. So he's got thousands and thousands of evil guys sitting around waiting to find him, right? So Aragorn, the king of men, says, we're going to take our remnant. We just got done fighting this battle, but we're going to take our little remnant, our 500 guys or whatever, and we're going to draw all of the forces of Mordor out so Frodo has free access to the mountain. And what gets me is that those men, I know it's fantasy, but this has happened in real life and used to happen all the time. Those men said, all right, I'll go with you to die. We'll be bait. And so you have this small group of men who are so committed to their king that they are willing to die alongside him in the hopes that the mission will get accomplished. And men, I want you to think about whether or not Christ is worthy to be that king that you are willing to stand alongside and die with. Let's rekindle this concept of honor and courage in serving our king of looking at our king who died for us and rose, of when he calls and says, I need you to buck up, I need you to have honor and courage and stand with me. That will ignite fire in a man. Because it used to be, especially during the Middle Ages, you had such honor and reverence for your king that you look him in the eyes and gladly say, I will go to die for you. You ask me to go out, I'll die for you. I'm not saying the image of the bride of Christ is, isn't powerful. But I think we as men need to talk about this image of the king. Honoring the king. Dying for the king. Your sword and your shield are there for the king. Are you willing to stand shoulder to shoulder with your brothers, knowing you are forfeiting your life so that your king's will will be done. What do you think, Easy? I was just thinking of something. Um, the Christian walk isn't supposed to be walked out in flesh. And it isn't supposed to be walked out in fear. It's supposed to be a walk of everyday death to yourself. And though, obviously, we should fight until death, 
not all of us will die that way. But regardless, we should all continuously have that continuous death to our flesh. Right. That rejection to that comfortable feeling that we want to sit in. The rejection to the what-ifs. The rejection to the fleshly lusts. The things that you see, the things that you hear, and the things that you desire. Because at the end of, at the end of the day, everything on this earth is going to fade away. Yes. You can't take a single ounce of money with you you can't take anything with you when you leave here but if you have a worthy cause you're absolutely right it's all fades away but when you have a worthy cause then all of a sudden the sacrifice makes sense right sacrifice is worth it i think your family is a worthy cause yeah i think even more so the will and purpose of christ is a worthy cause to say i may die doing this I've had those conversations with myself. Just what I'm doing, I may die. Things could turn badly real quick to where my life is on the line because of what I'm doing. And I have to continue to die to my flesh and go, no, my cause is worthy. And if you have a king that you honor, a.k.a. Christ, your cause is worthy. And you have the, the courage and the strength to stand because you know you're standing for your king. You are not king. He is. And when you submit with an honoring heart, an obedient heart, an abiding heart, when you submit and understand you are no longer king over your life, but you are a subject to King Jesus, he lifts you up and you get to be his friend. You get to be his confidant. Christ and God didn't call many people. No. Um, Narrow is the gate. He didn't he didn't call many people his friend. No. And that is something that I I recently learned probably about like a month or two ago. Um sitting in for a sermon at another church and just hearing that to be a friend of God, you have to know and understand his character mm -hmm. the way that Moses did. I mean, Moses was there because he understood the pain that God went through. Yeah. The fact that people turned against him and that he was trying to lead people into a greater and better life. A, a loving righteous life. life right? A righteous life. Yeah. Um, and to that point, number four, we need standards. I think we've... Uh, one of the conversations we were having this, this couple other guys and I were, I think sometimes we, we try to cater to the lowest common denominator and I'm not saying don't pastor the lowest common denominator, but men crave standards. Why do we look up to the Navy SEALs? Why do we look up to Delta force, the green berets? Why do we have an interest in even things like hell's angels or the Mongols? Now, we could say they're, they're rebels, they're outlaws, but they're also exclusive. They've got standards, right? And men desire to be on, in that inner circle. Men desire to achieve those standards, right? The whole thing about being a Navy SEAL is there's so few of them. And so men desire a standard. And I think it would help us to rethink, okay, are we setting high standards for our men or are we setting the lowest possible standards so that way no man fails the standards? 
I think you'll help activate men if you're building opportunities for them to achieve standards. You're allowed to be a part of this group, but we have standards. If you can't meet those standards, you're going to hear about it. You're going to know about it, right? Hold each other accountable, right? When you start setting standards, men will either achieve it or they won't. And if they don't, that gives you mentorship. That gives you discipleship. But either way, they're getting pushed towards the standards. Well, I think we've seen it for too long of, well, we've got to get together and we'll talk about our feelings and we'll pat each other on the back and we'll, we'll, I hear me. I really don't mean this as an insult, but I think we've kind of feminized how we as men relate because we've forgotten how to relate. We've been told and cajoled for so long of, well, you can't do that because that might hurt somebody's feelings. If you've ever worked like blue collar job, you know, construction, that kind of thing. Men rib each other. Men tease each other. And a lot of times from the outside, it's like, well, you guys are being so mean to each other. We're toughening each other up. And we're learning something about each other. Because if you can take that heat, if you can take that, that mocking and still keep going... I know you can take stress when stress hits. I know you can still stand by me and take the stress and stress and do what you need to do. Me and my close like guy friends, we flame each other. Exactly. Like, my buddies and I, that's all we did. It was constant. I have, I have a joke with one of them. And I was like, bro, I know, I know three fat guys and you're two of them. <laughs> and he looks at me and he says, bro, I know three skinny dudes and you're half of one. I'm like, dang. All right. And, I know women won't necessarily understand that, but guys understand it. Look, when you get your group together, which men need, men need a brotherhood. Stop trying to do it your own. Men need that brotherhood, but we also need to be able to kind of rib each other, flame each other, poke fun at each other. And it's all out of love too. It is. It's like, <laughs> it, it, and it is a sense of like, hey, bro, step up, you know? Um, so we need those standards. And I'm not, I'm not saying, so therefore your men's ministry should just make fun of each other, but it is time to set standards and it's time to be real and, and more professional with each other. You know, what are some things that it's like, okay, we're just kind of catering to the common denominator because we're hoping we're going to bring more men in. I think less focus on numbers and more focus on power and strength. Navy SEALs don't need everybody. They need those few who can do the job. Yeah. I'm not saying you don't have a place for everybody to go, but maybe you need that group of men who like, we're not interested in everybody. We're interested in the right men. John Wesley talks about, give me a hundred men who fear nothing but sin and love nothing but God. And they'll shake the gates of hell. Give me a hundred men completely convicted. And if Christ did that only with 12 people, Imagine the world. Imagine changed the world with 12 men. Don't matter how you look at it, change the world. 12 guys. Number five, final, and we'll wrap this out. You need an environment. Let me put it this way. So for a while, I was really enjoying competing in powerlifting. And very much 
masculine, you know, rough, gruff type of environment, right? Yeah. Yeah. Guys slapping each other on the backs, yelling at each other, screaming, that kind of stuff. I've, I've been exposed to that. Brutal. It's fun. <laughs> it is very I, I love it. I it love is, it, man. It is very fun. The more I, the more we're yelling, the more we're we're sniffing ammonia tablets. It, it, game on, bro. Um <laughs> and in the powerlifting community, the environment sets the stage. Heavy metal on the speakers. I love the cinder block walls, the old iron plate. Don't give me this hexagonal rubber crap. Give me the iron plates that clang. Uh, who was it? Was it Tom Platts, one of the golden era bodybuilders, was talking about how they used to keep the plates spaced out a little bit. Like they would put spacers or something in between them so that they would clang more. That's amazing. Because it's auditory. It's sound, right? And the sound was was a... Kind of like a video game gives you a little ding when you do something good, achievement. Yeah, it's the serotonin that, it that is. floods your brain. So when you come up on that squat, on a heavy squat, and the plates clang, it's like, ah, sound, I did it. Boom. Right? Boom. And I'm telling you, when you get into that environment, you hear those plates clanging, ooh, cool. Somebody's even, moving weight. You know? Even Yeah, even when you're not actively doing that. I went to, uh, there, there are quite a bit of gyms in the Stewart, Port St. Yeah. Lucie area here in Florida. And there's one specifically that a very, very famous um, bodybuilder partly owns. Yeah. Um, and I went to that gym once. And I remember I was doing leg day there with my friend. And we were in the leg area because they yeah. have an entire area dedicated to the leg machines, to free bar squats and whatever. Yeah. And we were doing some leg presses. And then these kids came in. And they just slapped on like five plates on each side on a bar. And they were slamming that thing for like 20 minutes straight. And I was like, <laughs> I want to be like that. Right? Like, I don't, obviously, like, some people think it's obnoxious. But it's the strength that goes in there. It's the yes. amount of work and the dedication that these kids who are younger than me, yet 10 times stronger, have put in, have dedicated to become this and it inspires you and i get tired of the like uh planet fitness lunk alarm crap you're cutting out the environment now if you want to go and just kind of mindlessly pedal on a, a you're making fun of planet fitness eh, well kind of it's it's a but, good beginner gym and that's all i can really say it's, it's a place to get a cheap gym yeah your environment matters and in the powerlifting community, another aspect of that in terms of standards, if you start with a group, there are groups who, like, you don't lift. They don't just bring you in and put you on the bench. You're you're cleaning up plates. You're cleaning up chalk. You're, you're helping guys reload the bench. You may go four or five times and never get a lift in with this group of guys. But if you do your time and you're there just like a prospect for a motorcycle club or whatever, if you do your time and you do the grunt work, the group of men, the brotherhood who see you've stuck with them, there may be a day where they go, Elijah, get on the bench. There, there will be no warning. And you're just putting a plate on. Somebody will go, Elijah, you're up next. That's when you know you've made it. That's when you know you're a part of it. That's an environment. And I think for Christian men, we would do well of like, okay, what's our environment? 
is our environment conducive to us getting some energy and moving forward, to getting active, right? And this may look different for every other group, but I'm telling you, if you think about these strategies and try to implement them of like, what would this look like in my own church? What's the environment that speaks to my guys? I think the circle that I'm in with the guys that I've been talking to is it's a bit of a hardcore environment. It's, it's an environment more akin to the cinder block walls and the dirty floors. And then we are going to do spiritual warfare. Now we're not interested in just hope prayer, spiritual warfare. Are we praying to tear down strongholds? Are we delivering people? Are we going out and standing for righteous causes? Are we standing one another shoulder to shoulder as a brotherhood? Are we taking our licks? Are we praying for each other? Are we standing up for each other's families? Are we speaking into each other? Are we discipling and mentoring each other? Are we following the generals God has put over us? And are we serving the king with honor and courage because his cause is righteous? You start implementing this stuff and you will get guys waking up. You will get men who are like, I am done just doing the nine to five, going home, taking care of my kids. Because I think what happens is we're not invested in a cause. So then you tell us, okay, well, let's go do men's ministry on another night of the week. Well, I got so much going on. Right. And I, hear me guys, I'm not mocking, making fun of trashing men's ministries as they are. I'm looking and going, okay, guys are clamoring for something. So how do we spark that? And I think these are some ways to spark it. I don't know. Easy. You, you, me talking about these strategies. Do you think these strategies would help you and your young adult brethren? Absolutely. Clip in. Dude, me, me, my, my three closest guys, we are always looking for something new to do. We're looking for some new obstacle to overcome. We're always pushing each other. One of them just recently started getting back into the gym, which I've been pushing him to do for yeah. the past like year and a half. And he's finally getting back into it. And now I'm pushing even harder for me to start working out with him. Right. For, we go to different gyms, but I'm I'm pushing and I'm trying to make a way for that to happen. In in shameless plug. Boom. Boom. The book. It what would it look like to develop? The entire man body working out look working out every time is a challenge that you're overcoming and you're learning how to overcome challenges you're learning how to persevere i'm telling you if if, if you do 20 rep squats by about eight to ten you're thinking ah, i need to be done i'm done with this by about 13 to 14 you're going why am i doing this 16 to 17 you're going i'm i don't have anything left and by 19 to 20, you're going, as soon as I get this thing racked, I'm falling on the floor. I'm telling you, it teaches you something about yourself. Yeah. Perseverance. You're way stronger than you think you are. You are. I, I remember when I'm working out this adage that your brain quits when your body probably has about 40% more to go. Oh, yeah. Right? And so if you can tell you, my brain has quit, but my body can still do more you start to submit the flesh to your will. And the thing is, when you keep pushing, when you keep doing that on a, a weekly basis, 
that's not only growing yourself physically, you're disciplining yourself. I mentioned a couple of podcast episodes ago that I hated taking cold showers. And now I can't take a hot shower. Like discipline. Like I've I can take like a lukewarm shower now because like obviously I need to like clean my hair and, mm -hmm. and get all the dirt and stuff off me. But I need to take cold showers because that's what I enjoy. Right. Even when I don't enjoy the initial shock, it is extremely refreshing. I get out of there and whether or not I'm shivering, it is refreshing for my mind. It's refreshing for my spirit because I'm putting off the want of my flesh. And I'm I'm indulging in building my 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 yeah. soul and my spirit. Building takes time, and like you said, there's cross pollination. Anyways, we're gonna round this out. I, I think this has gone long enough. But these are five ways that you can overhaul the Christian man, and I think this is gonna be a conversation that happens a lot more, but I'm just, I'm putting my brain around this concept of how do you overhaul the Christian man? How do you get men involved and activated? And I think it's more than just telling them, hey, you should get involved. Okay, I got enough to do. No, we've gotta get them outside of their rut, out of their routine and figure out what is their cause, right? All right, I hope this blessed you in some way and feel free to contact us if you want to talk more about this or you want more ideas. Um, and you're always welcome to communicate and interact with us. But keep an eye out for Friday. Massey and Carrie are planning on doing the podcast that day. So be sure to tune in, give them love. Are Guys, we going to be back Friday? I don't think so. Because we get finished get to... Thursday night. So we'll right. probably leave Friday morning. I wonder how they're going to do... Because I won't be here to produce. No, they're they're going to be gone. They're doing the tablet. Gotcha. Like okay. Did today. All right. Love you guys. Have a great day. Have a great week. Love y'all. See you later. Peace.